Greetings, folks. Alpha Mike, your host on El Police Radio. On episode number 33, what are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the law's profession, the profession that nobody remembers in law enforcement, corrections, care, custody, control. And we're going to talk about all that and much more on El Police Radio. Custody, control. We're episode 33. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about the law's profession, the profession that nobody remembers in law enforcement, and the profession that a lot of law enforcement officers do not want to do, and that is the profession of corrections. The care, custody, and control aspect. You bring them in, corrections processes, and keeps them for an undefined time as determined by the court system. They're supposed to be rehabilitated, even though most of them have never been habilitated in the first place, and off they go back into society with a high recidivism rate that they'll come back again and again and again. And that is... The Endless Cycle of Corrections. Now, in May, we celebrate, the first week of May, we celebrate Corrections Officer Week, which was proclaimed by President Ronald Wilson Reagan. And I just want to read for the audience that proclamation. And I think it's important. There is a proclamation that was done for police, We have an upcoming show on that, Police Week, and we'll read it. Now, you'll notice that uh, in between proclamations, I believe the police officers received their proclamation over the correctional officers approximately about 20, 25 years earlier, police received theirs. But President Ronald Reagan, in Proclamation 5187, National Corrections Officer Week in 1984, He, on May 5th, 1984, he proclaimed the following. Corrections officers have a difficult and often dangerous assignment of ensuring the custody, safety, and well-being of the over 600,000 inmates in our nation's prisons and jails. The position is essential 
to the day-to-day operations of these institutions. Without them, it would be impossible to achieve the foremost institutional goals of security and control. Historically, correctional officers have been viewed as guards occupying isolated and misunderstood positions in prisons and jails. In recent years, the duties of these officers have become increasingly complex and demanding. They are called upon to fill simultaneously custodial, supervisory, and counseling roles. The professionalism, dedication, and courage exhibited by these officers throughout the performance of these demanding and often conflicting roles deserve our utmost respect. The important work of correctional officers often does not receive the recognition from the public it deserves. It is appropriate that we honor the many contributions and accomplishments of these men and women who are vital components of the field of corrections. In recognition of this contribution of correctional officers to our nation, the Congress, by Senate Joint Resolution 132, has designated the week beginning May 6, 1984, as National Correctional Officers Week and authorized and requested the President to issue the appropriate proclamation. Now, therefore, I, Ronald Reagan, President of the United States of America, do hereby proclaim the week beginning May 6, 1984, as National Correctional Officer Week. I call upon officials of state and local governments and the people of the United States to observe this week with appropriate ceremonies and activities. And with that being said, we're going to start our celebration of corrections and talk about the profession that is completely forgotten by the criminal justice system and including law enforcement officers all around the country don't even know it exists. And with that, we start our show. But like always, before we start our show, we wanted to start off with the L Police Radio Countdown. One. Unfortunately, we have, out of our three news segments, two of them that, again, deal with tragedy. And um, that's the issue with this profession in law enforcement, whether it's police and corrections, it does have a lot of uh, tragedy that is associated with it, unfortunately. Uh, Pennsylvania detective dies during physical training exercise. Uh, Newcastle, Pennsylvania, Detective Sergeant Brian S. Corsino, 44, has been with the Newcastle Police Department since 2001. The physical training was required for officers serving in its special response team. He suffered an apparent heart attack, according to the Newcastle News. Corsino had worked as a patrol officer for about 10 years before being promoted to detective in the Criminal Investigation Division. 
He was the department's lead homicide investigator and did establish himself as an expert in that field. It's, um, you know, rest in peace, and we um, hope that the Lord comforts his, his family. Always tragedy, always difficult to report tragedy. Two. This next story is, is just completely horrifying, and it is, there's no words. I mean, I, how do you go back to the family members of these officers and deputies and tell their loved ones that they passed during their tour of duty and the circumstances of their death? But this one is a heartbreaker, as all of them are, but this one especially. Two Florida deputies killed in an apparent ambush at a restaurant, suspect dead. And uh, it goes on that two, two sheriff's deputies were shot and killed Thursday in a restaurant in Trenton, Florida, in what appeared to be an ambush, officials said. The shooting occurred at 3 p.m. at the Ace Chinese China restaurant when a man walked past a window and shot both through the glass, the Alachua County Sheriff's Office said in a statement made on behalf of the Glencrest County Sheriff's Office. As fellow deputies responded to the scene, they found the shooter deceased outside the business, the statement read. The two deputies, and sadly enough, are Sergeant Noel Ramirez, 30, and Deputy Sheriff uh, Taylor Lindsay, 25. There is nothing that you can say to this story. A raving maniac for whatever political agenda that he had, and it's rampant here in Florida. It's rampant. Apparently he came out that day, hunted down, he probably stalked these guys, kind of knew their routine. Maybe not specifically these two deputies, but uh, deputies in the area. And then he performed the act of killing to, to ultimately kill himself. A coward wouldn't even go out suicide by cop. Tragically, they leave behind a family. And tragically, this senseless murder can never be explained to their loved ones. Never. Not in a hundred years. May the Lord bless both of them and their families. Tough one. But we'll come up with a a good a good storyline. Three. All right, a little bit of good news. Always gotta have some good news in these segments. Cop saves boy choking on popcorn at police graduation. And it goes on to say the quick action of a by a medically trained NYPD a detective saved the life of a baby boy who got popcorn stuck in his throat Wednesday at a police academy graduation ceremony. Detective Mark R Rubin, 42, was sitting in the upper rear section of the theater at Madison Square Garden at about 11.30 a.m. when he heard a woman yell, Help, please. The baby was limp in her arms and his lips were blue. Ruben said Ruben, a paramedic for 20 years, ran down an aisle 
um, to the mom's side, the boy's father, newly minted officer Leonardo Escorcia, was on the theater main level with the rest of his graduation class when he heard from his wife that their one-year-old son Daniel was choking. I started running towards her. By the time I got there, I saw Detective Room and he had my son in his, on his shoulders. Um, as Corsia said, my son seemed like he was not himself. He was pale. He kept passing out by the time I got there. And uh, Ruben said he performed CPR and quickly got the little boy to cough up the popcorn. Daniel was soon breathing normally. He started to uh, spit up a bit, which I still have on my shoulder, Ruben said. He was still lethargic, but he wasn't blue anymore, and his pulse was strong. So a pretty good story to that one. Um, here's two good endings that could have been one tragic one. Father was getting uh, sworn in as a newly appointed police officer, and the child, one years old, was uh, dying, uh, choking, and thank God, God has uh, the right people at the right place at the right time, and they got to save him. So two good endings to that story. I guess uh, we can counter the, the two bad ones that, that were there. There's another article. I'm not really going to get into it because we're going to talk about that more later on in the segment. DOJ, that's called the Department of Justice, folks, faces tough choice on charging on charges for cop in Eric Gardner's death. Remember Eric Gardner? I can't breathe. I can't breathe. And um, that was years ago, eons ago. DOJ is thinking about pressing charges now. Hmm. I'll fill you in on that one as we go along. Well, where in the world is the bugler? This guy's always goofing off. All right, here he comes. Go practice. Corrections, the field, care, custody, and control. It has so much it is responsible for. One of them, uh, to a lot of people, is babysitting. And they affectionately like to call it. But what corrections is, they are little cities within given communities that extract evil people that are charged with felonious and misdemeanor crimes. And they're placed in this grand institutions called jails. And if they graduate from their court system, with honors, they get to go to prison. The difference between one and the other, well, jail, you kind of pre-trial. You're sitting there before you're, you're, you've been sentenced. And you may even be sentenced to misdemeanor, which is less than one year. Prison time, the court system has found you guilty, and off you go for a year and a day and upwards. So it could be a year and a day, or it could be life. Now, these great institutions are little cities and have their own society, their own rules and regulations in them. 
not only the institutional rules, but the inhabitants have their rules as well, have and how they conduct themselves and honored systems and they have their own economy and uh, inflation and all that other stuff exists within the walls of these great human monuments of cities. The lost of society is in there. The people that a lot of people, law-abiding citizens don't want to deal with, don't want to see. And quite frankly, if they rot there, they'd be perfectly happy. But there are some love ties to some of these people, so their loved ones expect them to come out. Some of the inhabitants to these great institutions of learning are repeat offenders. They've been there so many times, they're no longer called inmates or prisoners. They're commonly called convicts. Some of these individuals in to compare society to their great institutional areas of learning have master's and PhD degrees in criminology, but the other side of it. And these individuals cannot be left alone and need a high level of supervision. So care, custody, and control, the price tag that comes with it for the American citizen is huge. There's been a lot of studies, 38, 48, 58, 68. There's always an eight involved in, in some of these figures during many, many uh, years that Corrections has been around in housing an inmate per day. If the inmate is crazy or playing crazy, then those uh, housing fees are tripled and their length of stay are quadrupled. They can stay there for decades for acting crazy or being crazy. Anything associated with medical has a huge price tag. You want a doctor in these great institutions? It'll cost you. You want a nurse in there? It'll cost you. You, you actually want services rendered to them, like counseling and so forth? It will cost you. And there's a huge, huge bill that comes with care, custody, and control. But there's no other place to put them. Recently, we talked about how the New York City government was doing away with their institutions of criminal criminology learning, better known as a jail, and all of their 10 jails in Rikers Island. They'll be closing them down systematically and building little community jails all around the city that are going to interact with the community. For example, the layer or the lower le level of this institution will be for the ordinary law-abiding citizens. It'll be a gathering place, maybe a park, maybe a, a gallery of art where people can gather and, and enjoy life while the inhabitants of the criminal institution would be housed on the upper floors, but 
not necessarily behind bars, more open settings with windows and, of course, open roof areas so they can catch fresh air. No need for any bars in this wonderful world of Mayor Big Bird in New York City. No, the inmates can be free, roaming as they were born on the earth, running around, enjoying their time as they regret the criminal acts that they've done to be set free as a bird and then become a law-abiding citizen, all of a sudden enjoying the gallery of art that's below the institution. If you believe that one, I've got a bridge for you somewhere in Nevada, waterfront property, and it's at a good price. But that's what the wacky left has. There's another study to take desert land in Nevada in these areas. And instead of having bars and buildings, well, they can enjoy their stay mandated by the state uh, uh, in outdoor environment and learn from nature. The left is going to get somebody killed one day, and it's going to be quick. But the reality of these institutions that have been around since prehistoric times, you behave bad, you're separated from the others. You don't play well, you don't get along well with others, so they separate you. Unfortunately, the housing aspect comes with three square meals, bathing, medical, and uh, free transports to and from, uh, whether it's your lawyer, court, uh, doctor visits, or what have you. Of course, if you don't like your accommodations, all you need to do is act up and you will soon be given a new room with other luxuries. The biggest luxury that you might find there is a colored television or luxuries that were not given to you by the institution but that you have acquired during your stay. The mindset of these individuals is not a mindset of a normal person. They basically rule by fear and they live to make other people's life miserable. Now, you see, if you're charged with Depravity, depravity of a child, sexual abuse of a child, then the standard within the institution, within the criminal enterprise, is if they get rid of you, they get a higher statute. They become somebody within the walls of these great communities. Okay, Now, those are not institutional rules. Those are the inhabitants, the citizens of these free nations if they kill somebody that has abused of a child, then you get an extra honey bun with your meal. They are strange places that have their own uh, alcohol system, cigarette system, and other adult beverages can be found in these institutions. Again, not by regulation, but by the criminal citizens of these great institutions. It is a place that many, many law enforcement do not want to work. Now, I've told you a lot of the negatives about corrections, but now I'm going to tell you some positive law enforcement ones. Well, there's a couple of things. The first thing is 
you might not believe it, and it might come to a shock to you to learn as you're listening to me, that not everybody in jail and in prison is guilty. Drinking water, folks, not coffee, water. And some of the people in these institutions are actually there by error. <clears throat> of course, the institutions are going to regard them as a prisoner or an inmate, and they really don't care if they're innocent, but they might be exonerated during their stay. And we've seen a lot of that through DNA evidence where people were charged and they did multiple years only to determine that the DNA evidence that during the time of the commission of their crime was not around, it was later applied to their specific cases and they were found innocent and released with tremendous apologies. So not everybody in prison we know are guilty and in jails they're not guilty, but they are there because of an arrest. So an officer of whatever means of intel and investigation that they conducted, they found this individual as the one perpetrating the crime that they were accused of, and off they went. Then it goes through a trial process where these high-paid individuals in suits, a.k.a. lawyers, lawyers, they determine your guilt or innocence, which is then proceeded to be deliberated and given to a jury. That's a group of individuals in a room that don't want to be there, and as they sit there every second of their moment, say, how in the hell did I get here, and I can't get out of here fast enough? And then they render one of two things. They say guilty, or they say not guilty, and then they run out of there. So our institution of criminology... <laughs> is falling apart. They are run uh, through the ground. They are beat to the ground. These, in the, these structures are falling apart. Keys don't work properly. And uh, not to discuss the health issue in some of these prisons. Of course, uh, those that are high administrative rank that might be listening to this podcast will say, well, I don't know what you're talking about because not my institution. No, there, there are some idiots out there that actually believe that their institutions do not have rats and roaches. But I can tell you they're there. And whenever you jam-pack individuals in rooms that probably only are to fit one, two, 15, and you jamming in there with three, four, 22, 34, hike. You'll notice there, there's going to be a strange aroma in there. Sometimes they call that toe jammer because those smelly little feet. And you also know what gives a real bad odor every now and then that comes out from the backside of individuals. So these places are atrocious when it comes to health. No wonder they got to go to medical. And there is no room service. There's no 
cleaning crew that show up. No, they have these guys that live there have to do all this stuff themselves. They, in some institutions, they actually cook for themselves, clean for themselves, and launder for themselves. But it all comes at a price. Correction agencies are being hit with incredible bills on services that they need. For example, an expansion of a jail can cost millions. An actual building of a jail from ground up can cost more than a baseball or football stadium. That's how big it is. And in some institutions or jurisdictions, the cost is the same as a football and a baseball stadium. Case in point, Los Angeles, where they're building two jails, and the price tag, according to the Los Angeles Times, $3 billion. But the Times says at the end, by the time they complete these two jails, the price tag will probably end up being 5 to $7 million. Billion. Billion. I get mixed up with these high numbers. I don't use them much, so I get mixed up with them. So... Corrections, care, custody, control. Officers go to an academy. They receive between three and six months of academy training. They have absolutely no knowledge what they're about to get involved in. After their training and all their book smarts, off they go into the institution. The gate slams behind them, and they say, what the hell am I doing here? But it's too late to turn around, folks. If you're a female officer... And at your first day, you will start hearing strange growling that men do, whistling, calling you names such as sweetheart, honey, and all these other great acronyms that they come up with. You will be the product of sexual harassment day in and day in and day out. And the tolerant left, most of them that run these institutions, will do nothing for you, sorry, because it's not media-worthy, so they really don't put it out there. For the young men that are going to walk into these institutions and they want to take law enforcement by the helm, they will walk the great corridors of these criminologies, of these criminal institutions, and they will slowly learn that the people behind these bars are complete lunatics and maniacs that would kill you in a drop of a dime if they could get away with it. But since they can't, they kind of just go along with the flow. You see, they're actually inhabitants of these institutions because they want to. Because if all of them at the same time said, you know what, let's get the hell up out of here, they would get out. That's how cheap the locking mechanisms are to a lot of these places. Don't believe me? Ask anybody that's been in the correctional field for more than two weeks. They will tell you. Inmates are there because they want to. Because if they really wanted to get out, they would. Of course, if they do do a project like that, breaking out and hundreds of them running, they face getting recaptured in uh, longer prison sentences or jail sentences. So therefore, they won't do it the fear of the law, in this country at least. The rehabilitation aspect, some of these uh, inmates are sentenced to 
drug court. Um, they have to take anger management courses. They have to take drug courses, uh, alcohol anonymous, anonymous courses. And if you ask anybody that's in this field, they'll tell you, yeah, well, I remember the drug program that was at the institution. Those guys in those cells, because they kept them in their own cells uh, during the program stage, they were mostly all high as a kite. Yeah. But that's reality. They also have the ability to go to church. And it's not the same church that you might on the outside go to. Their churches are a little funnier because... You might not believe this, but not everybody sitting in those pews are actually looking for God. They're actually there because they're looking for a new honey. Yes, because they get to have contact with their loved ones that really don't live with them when they're on the outside, but when they're on the inside, they do want to live with them. And they have contact with them in church. Sometimes that contact is uh, not rated PG. That's all I can tell you. And as a result, well, church sometimes resembles something else. Yeah, sure does. But that's what happens inside institutions. Now, of course, those administrators that are listening to this program are looking at their speakers saying, I don't know what this guy's talking about and what he's trying to pull, but not my institution. They don't do that. Drink some more water. And <clears throat> there's an expiration date for these individuals as well. They'll go to court, and they will sit in these cells for countless hours with nothing to do, bored to hell. They want to watch their favorite soap opera or novella. They won't be able to because sports rules in these institutions. And if you're not a big sports fan, you're going to be bored and boredom will get you into trouble. But never mind, sometimes in these all-men housing cell units, they have what they call gladiator night. And it's uh, similar to MMA. You know, they kind of copy it a little bit. It's all friendly. Nothing for you to be alarmed. And uh, sometimes there is a slip and fall in the shower area, and they do have to attend to the medical clinic. Some of our, our inhabitants that should be there roughly about three months, you want to say, from the time that the officer says, put your hands behind your back and carts them off to the time they either get found not guilty or they end up in prison. Should be about three months. But in actuality, the stay is a lot longer because we didn't know all these people were going to show up to the institution at the same time. So as a result, uh, well, three months is now going to turn into like nine, maybe, maybe, give or take. But never mind. If you want to leave a little earlier or you want to get your accommodations done quicker, you can contact your attorney, uh, which is called a public defender. If you don't have a, any money, or even if you do have money, it doesn't matter. They'll give you one anyway. And that guy will probably say, hey, you want to get out of here quick? Yeah, okay. I'm going to I'm gonna make a deal. 
Yeah, that's right. So they make a deal like the game show, and that's called a plea. And uh, you can get out a little bit faster. But if you're all pleaded out because you've done this multiple times since you've been there, you might be staying a little longer. So corrections is that place where the institution can never say no. See, in some other governmental buildings, if you act up, they can refuse you entry because you've acted up before and you've been given trespass warning, so we won't want you here. So as a result, we tell you no. But unfortunately, the corrections aspect, they can't do that. It's a system they can't say no. They have to take you, whether they like it or not, whether you're good or bad. Now, everybody knows that the tough guy that pulled that big arm robbery out in the street, when he gets in these four walls of these institutions, they cry like children. And they ask their mommies. Well, their mommy. And how do I know? Well, let's just say I've seen it before. Sad, sad sight, my friends. But that's corrections. Getting worse and worse and worse. A lot of corrections institutions are not run by sworn personnel. They're run by civilian personnel. Sometimes they give them a fancy title called warden. They know really nothing about the uniform aspect or the even the understanding of what the hell does it mean to be sworn anyway. Well, sworn is that you take an oath that you will not uh, give or divulge any secret information within the confines of the institution or within the aspect of your profession that can... Uh, affect the security of the institution and uh, other aspects of the department. Well, civilians, they don't, we don't do that. We don't have to raise our hand. I'm not going to tell anybody. Don't worry about me. And there, it's an epidemic. If you don't believe me, folks, just look at the area where you live in and punch in your local police department and look at the leadership on their website. And you will probably see a lot of people in uniforms with these shiny emblem things on their chest, which are called badges. Then I want you to go to your local fire department, and I want you to do the same thing. Pull that page up and look up leadership, and you will find some guys and girls with some uniforms and funny little hats, and they are called firefighters. And then I want you to go to your local correctional institution. I want you to pull up that leadership page on that website. And you're going to go, this is a nightclub. They don't got uniforms. And then you'll discover what I'm talking about. The wacky left, they have eroded law enforcement almost to zero in some of these criminal institutions known as correctional facilities. They've been set down to the level of nursing homes and babysitting parlors. There is no intelligence gathering, very little, if any. And as a result, they actually believe in corrections that nothing will touch them. But in our next segment, 
we're about to conclude this one, an online training tip. We're going to let you in on a secret on corrections and suicide prevention. But that's when that segment comes up in about two minutes. Now, the issue with corrections, what's going to go? It's going to cost you more. Whatever came out of your wallet 10 years ago will come out double 10 years later. 10 years from now, another double amount will come out of your wallet. The cost will grow, grow, grow. What are the, the new issue in government? They want to do prison reform, which is a sweet way of saying, let them all go. But I'm asking a little secret that you might not know. Just before I go to my online training trip, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to spill the beans. I'm going to tell you. What would you say if in the jurisdiction that you live in, there's a high percentage of inmates, not in the jail, but in the community. And they got these funny little black things around their ankles. And they're on house arrest. And that percentage is in the teens. And sometimes the 20s. And some correctional facilities actually want to go to the 30 percentile in having inmates, not in their institution, but out in the free world. So you might ask yourself the simple question before we end this segment. What's the punishment then? I don't know. I'm trying to figure it out. As we said in our one of our last podcasts, pay to stay. You can do that in California. If you don't like those atrocious combinations that I talked about in these governmental stays, you can pay for your own. You don't need this. It's a big deal. Now, folks, it's time for the 09 training trip. Care, custody, and control. Every institution should have that. A lot of people in these institutions, because of their psychosis, let's say they're delusional, they're high on drugs and so forth, there's a concern that they might do some bodily harm to themselves and actually want to kill themselves. Some of them openly might even say it. I don't want to live anymore because of the charges that I'm facing. It's the end of my world, so I'm thinking about killing myself. As a result, the institution now has a high standard of liability, and they have to take action. They will seek an evaluation from a medical professional that may put this individual on what's called suicide precaution watch. And the institution will watch this individual 24 hours a day, as long as it takes, around the clock, doing a check system, a written check system every 15 minutes of what the person's doing. Some institutions now are saying that they're doing it via camera, where in the olden days it was by sight and sound, but now they think that audio can cover the what used to be done in the olden days. So it's the modification of this procedure. 
Well, that modification will go into a legal process sooner than later. But that's not what I want to talk to you about today. Today I'm going to tell you how lawyers have come up with a great way to make a lot of money. Now, it's similar to the lottery system. You have to buy a ticket and you have to get the winning numbers. But let me explain to you how it works. If an inmate is on suicide precaution and they feel that they uh, might hurt themselves and they tell a staff member, an evaluation process is done and off they go. They're stripped of, of their clothes. They're giving a Ferguson safety garment, which is a garment that covers them for their dignity, but and the garment cannot be ripped in any way, and they will stay in that confined area watched by a sworn official 24 hours a day and a documentational process every 15 minutes until a medical professional deems that that person is ready to come out. So let's say that that time comes and the medical professional says, you know what, they're good to go. They've been here three days. I think that they're more stable. They release them. They let them go. The individual goes to a permanent housing area. Then they call home. They dial the number. And they speak to their loved ones on the other side. And they're depressed. And they start crying. And they start saying that they don't want to live anymore. But their loved one either reports it to the institution or chooses not to because they don't believe them. And the individual commits the act. Well, these lawyers have come up with a great idea. What they do is they ask for in discovery the recording conversations of inmates that a lot of these institutions have for security procedure process. They listen to phone calls. Certain words are triggered in these recording devices like drugs, marijuana, bomb, escape. And as a result, they will ask for these recordings because their client now is dead. And if they get anything that looks like a recording that the individual stated, I'm depressed, I don't want to live anymore, and I told so-and-so and so-and-so in the institution, and they told him, what do you want from me? They already released you from that from uh, suicide watch. You're not going back. Is there a liability? Hmm. Let's think about this a minute. Well, folks, yes, there is. And that is the moment where you say, what? Because that's what a lot of administrators are saying. What? And that's what's going on. See, care, custody, and control is not a temporary thing. And it's not, well, we can only act if we don't if we knew about it. Well, if you're recording conversations, you should have known about it. So has it happened in the United States? Oh yes, it has. And remember our friends on the communist Bolshevik left. Sue, 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 obstruct, obstruct, obstruct. And that means if you're going to get some money and they killed themselves, they're going to ask for all that evidence. And if it comes up, jackpot, I've won the lottery. Now, folks, it's time for the conversation.
soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. You know, we're talking about the corrections profession and the care, custody, and control. And they're really in an institution like any institution in America. There is no soft answers. There's a lot of harshness because the community is harsh. But God here tells us that a soft answer turns away wrath. But harsh words build up anger. If you live every day under this philosophy, you would live a stress-free life. Being angry at everything and yelling and screaming and carrying on at everything will bring frustration. We all have done it. I know I have. But at the end, all I got was bitterness and heartache out of whatever episode I had. But when you talk softly, it's a position of strength, not of weakness. It basically tells the other person that you have a position and you are going to fulfill your position and your right in that position, period. Nothing to get upset about. Nothing to rise to the level of the voice has to be higher than the other person. No. Softly. Because in that soft, tender-hearted speech, God moves. Erase all that stress from your life. All that frustration from your life. I know what you might be thinking. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to go to work, and I'm going to tell the bad guy, please, please. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, without anger, without bitterness, you can accomplish much more. The saying, you can capture more with honey than you can with vinegar. Then why go out constantly trying to bring vinegar, gallons of vinegar with you to work when you can make things happen through soft speech. Yes, Lord, Lord works in mysterious ways. Try it and see what happens. Today is the day of your salvation. Look up and your redemption is cl is closer every single day. What's up next, folks? Well, other than the alarm clock ringing in the background, we have uh, what is uh, episode 34 to look forward to. And on lpoliceradio.com, how can you connect with us? Well, you, you can go right there to lpoliceradio.com. And you're going to scroll down all the way down to the bottom. When you scroll down all the way to the bottom, those icons pop up for Twitter and Facebook and all that other good stuff. And there you can connect with us. On our Twitter feed, we were making some adjustments. Uh, a lot of people don't know, but we were running with uh, two L Police Radio 
um, Twitter feeds. And we finally, uh, after about six months or so doing so, decided which one we're going to stay with. And so we'll be closing one out and leaving the other one. So the one that we're keeping is El Police Radio. That's it, El Police Radio. And the L is small L, not capital L, and then Police Radio. That's that's the handle on Twitter. And uh, on uh, Facebook, we've uh, left the L Police Radio. It, it's still there. It's, it hasn't it hasn't been changed. And uh, we did have the uh, Cop Nation, um, uh, Raider Nation, it was called, Cop Raider Nation, a project. That that, that was there. We kind of started it, but we've kind of gone away from it. The uh, analytics on Facebook weren't high enough to continue going that route. So we kind of abandoned that project as well. But anyway, lpoliceradio.com, you can go to uh, upcoming shows, and there you're going to see a list that goes on forever. And it tells you the shows that we are going to be broadcasting. So uh, episode number 34, May 10th, is the U.S. Marshal. We're going to talk about what they say is the oldest law enforcement profession in the country. And we'll find out if that's true or not. And a little bit about what their mission statement is and what they stand for. And then our list just keeps going. We run into Police Week. And Police Week is May 17th. We'll have our show, episode number 35. And that'll be about Police Week, which has a proclamation from John F. Kennedy. Uh, May 24th, uh, episode number 36, The Police Car. We're going to talk about vehicles. May 31st, Park Police. Is there such a thing as a park police? June 7th, Flint. Liberalism is a mental disorder. And you can keep on going down the list and seeing all the other shows. But um, Flint, it's on Netflix. So your homework assignment, kids, as you're listening to me, plug into Netflix. If you don't have it, if you, if you have a T-Mobile account and it's a family account, well, they paid for you, so it's free. If you don't have it, well, bum it off someone that does have it and look at the movie, the documentary, Flint. That's in Flint, Michigan. F-L-I-N-T. And it's about... Crime. It's about the police department in Flint, Michigan, and how they've deteriorated and crime went up and so forth. And we're going to have a show on on that specific subject because I watched it, and it's 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 happening all over the country. It's not just happening in Flint, Michigan. The documentary talks about Flint, Michigan, but what I see in that documentary is how the evil left is influencing law enforcement on decisions, how they're going to carry themselves, what they can and cannot have, and what the expectation is of that civilian government is not the same as the chief of police in these agencies. And as a result, they are crimes 
going through the roof in these communities. And you get to actually experience that in the documentary and listen to some of these hateful, hateful city commissioners and you scratch your head in the middle of this documentary and say, is this for real? But not only do you say it, so do the police officers of Flint, Michigan. So we'll bring uh, that one up to light. And as I said on lpoliceradio.com, on the upcoming show, you will have a calendar of shows that are coming up all the way up to September 13th. A lot going on, a lot of shows going on. Not too many guests. After our, th- our September 13th show, we I will start having uh, certain guests coming on and some distinct panels will be coming on as well. And we'll talk about a lot of things. A lot, a lot of things. Somebody asked me, how do you come up with all these shows? I mean, don't you like run out of ideas? Everything is an idea. Policing deals with everything. Every aspect of human life. I could have 10 gazillion, and everybody knows, what's a gazillion? If you've been listening to the show, you know what a gazillion is. A gazillion is something that you can never reach. And a a number from infinity and beyond. So I can come up with a gazillion shows because what doesn't a police officer deal with? What doesn't a corrections officer deal with? We can come up with those shows. Lpoliceradio.com, the list is there. You can look at it. Our panels after the 13th of September will start to emerge. We'll have a couple of guests on, and we're going to go back into the series. I don't if you remember, we did the series towards the latter part of 2017. Our first series are going to be about weapons, 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 and then we're going to take a little break, and we're going to get back on weapons. We're going to look at knives, guns, training, firearms. Pretty much we're going to roll October, November, and December on weapons. So we're going to talk about guns a lot now. So I don't want you to get bored. Every once in a while I'll throw a monkey wrench at you. But that's what we're going to be doing in the latter part of uh, September into the end of the year. There's always things to talk about, folks. And we really appreciate you taking the time to listen to our podcast. Recently, in off our pod, uh, podcast feeder or provider, they sent a notice about uh, advertising and all this other stuff. Would we consider it, yes or no? We finally said yes. We've given them... Uh, Outlook for 30 minutes into the show. So when the the show's an hour, we're looking at the 30th minute. There'll be a short little 30-second commercial on there. And we agreed to it. Now we're going to look at who those sponsors might be. And then we have to make the decision uh, which one we will allow, if any. So 
don't be alarmed if all of a sudden there's a, a commercial in the middle of all this. Why? Because we're not doing this for money. God knows that. It is time-consuming. There's a lot of work that goes on behind the scenes. And we're continuing to grow. Don't forget our brother broadcast, Leatherneck 7. We have slowed down over there on that side for a specific reason. Be patient. We'll start to roll some things out. Uh, again, I've, I haven't been saying it, but I will say it. Mike Sierra, you, he needs your continuous prayer. He's not here because he's challenged with other things. And I want you to know that he is a great part of what we are doing. So just remember, <clears throat> just because you don't hear him doesn't mean he's not here. And... Uh, the uh, Leatherneck 7 is going to be up and running real soon. So I've bored you enough, but I have a lot to talk to you about on Podcast 33 and beyond. It has been my pleasure and my honor to be your host on El Police Radio Alpha Mike signing out. Be good, be careful, be safe. <laughs>